Well, speaking of testimonies, guess what we're going to have today? A testimony. Well, I'm really excited that Natalie Bonkowski is going to come and share her testimony with us today. And, um, and so, I'm not, with no further ado, I'm going to ask Natalie to come up. She's going to share her testimony. And then, um, then we'll have our regular charge, and just like we normally do, come to the table. Um, so, Natalie, thank you for being a witness, a martyr for Jesus. Um, when the pastor asked me to share this in December, I said, yes, of course, in January. And January seems so far away. Um, and here we are, January 31st, because um, I wanted to wait and commit as long as I could. Um, my heart is ready to tell this story. My mind and my flesh are not. They're, they haven't quite jumped on board yet. But, um, but I'm going to let my heart take over, and we'll see what happens. Um, I also want to mention that my first grade teacher had to call my mom and ask if I could speak because I was so so shy, so scared to talk, and so scared of people. So let's just see what happens. <laughs> and on that note, I have to pray because I'm going to seek him first. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this church, for the doors that are open, for us to come and hear of your word, Lord. For us to come and praise you, to pray to you, to sing to you, Lord. Thank you for these doors. Dear Lord, we're so thankful for the pastor of this church, his family, and everybody that keeps those doors open, Lord. Thank you for their obedience everywhere, every week to be here. When we don't always show up, they are. And Lord, I thank you for that. And Lord, as I share my story and my testimony, Lord, I pray that these people, they're going to hear a story of me, but... It's not about me, Lord, and I want them to see you through this. I want them to see you. I want you magnified. I want you glorified, Lord. Give me the words that show them you and not me. And, Lord, we just thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm start from the very beginning. April 3rd, 1975. I was born. <laughs> 45 for math there. I got a little And this is printed in... 14 font, so I'm going to try not to read it, but um, I had to magnify it so I could see it. <laughs> um, I was told that I was a gift, a gift from God, right? Babies are always a gift from God. Um, my parents, I was a surprise to my parents, they weren't expecting me, but here I am. And two years ago, I couldn't stand here and tell you that I'm a gift. Um, we hear there's lies that, that we hear somewhere, and, and it's not even a lie that that was meant to be a lie. We hear things in our childhood that maybe tell us we're not good enough. Um, I thought that I wasn't good enough, I wasn't smart enough, I wasn't strong enough, I wasn't pretty enough, and those things defined me. And I couldn't say that I was a true gift. But a little spoiler, I've got spoilers all along, and. God's told me otherwise. Um, I grew up as a Christian. I grew up, my great-grandparents, uh, George and Harney Jacobson, were some of the founding members of the First Assembly of God here in Taylor. So Jesus has been passed on generation to generation to me. To me. Um, I went to church as a kid. My, my parents didn't go to church at first when I was little. And my, my grandmother and my aunt made sure I was there every Sunday. 
and then my parents became <coughs> ministers for a while. Um, and I know all about going to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Um, we were there. But, and, and I knew who Jesus was. He was in my heart. I, I knew him. But I didn't necessarily listen to who he said I was. There are some things that happened when I was in elementary school and middle school. Um, just so happens, my name's Natalie. The first three letters, N-A-T, and that rhymes with fat. Um, I was tall, a tall girl, and I was different. Because I was tall, I was different than a lot of my friends and my peers, and I put on a little bit of weight, and I was being taller um, there for a while. Some boys, which looking back, they probably were, they probably liked me, right? You know, that's how kids, they tease each other. But I had the nickname Fat Nat for a little while. I don't remember things from my childhood. I can't tell you who my teachers were, but that stuck. That stuck deep down inside of me. Also about that time, I overheard a conversation. This is probably a few years later. That's a conversation with some relatives who were complimenting me, talking about how beautiful I was. And one of the things they said was that if Natalie would just lose a little weight, the boys would be chasing her. And instead of hearing I was beautiful or loved, I heard I was fat. And again, that stuck down inside of me. It became my foundation. So those lies that stood there, what happened? My entire life has been diet and exercise, diet and exercise, searching for that one thing that would finally make me good. And then after Tyler was born, it was time to get personal trainers. Personal trainers, somebody to hold me accountable, right? Because I just can't. I'll lose it, and I gain it, and I lose it, and I gain it. And I just think I'm an awful person because I just can't keep this weight off. So for seven years, I had personal trainers. I was the perfect client. I would drop 30 pounds, and I would gain 30 pounds. And I was just a roller coaster, a roller coaster of, of dieting. I chased this diet and exercise because if I could get to 155 pounds, that would be it, right? Then I could go live my life. I could go be who I was supposed to be. There were some good times through that. Um, you know, some personal records when you're lifting weights and being able to actually run a 5K without walking, and those were great, but there was always something missing. I chased the diet I chased perfectionism, perfectionism, I chased pats on the back, I chased degrees, I chased goodness, I chased good things because I needed to be somebody. So in January of 2013, my trainer told me about this big transformation contest. And it was it was at the Palmer Event Center, and it was you had to get on stage and do the whole bikini and high heels and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm so shy. I can't do that. So if I sign up for that, that'll be it. That I'll get there. I will, this is it, right? This is going to finally get me there. So I did it. I went through, it was six months of, I mean, I couldn't, I remember they told me, if you're going to make your kids like, pancakes or something and you get some syrup on your finger, don't lick the syrup. Don't, you can't lick the syrup because that one lick does all this stuff in the brain and does this and blah, 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 and you may gain weight. So, I mean, it was that strict. 
So I did it. I kept up with it. I did the workouts. Thanks to my sister, she gave me hair extensions. <laughs> I had the dark tan, the high heels, all that. And I stood on stage, and I got fifth place. Fifth place. Fifth place. <laughs> that trophy? It didn't mean anything. It didn't, there was something missing. I stood on that stage happy, but mad and sad, and I should have done better. 10 more pounds. If I could have lost 10 more pounds, then, then I deserved that. Then, 10 more pounds. I obsessed. I obsessed about my body. I obsessed about who I should be. So, of course, right after that, we went straight to Chewy's because I needed chips and jalapeno ranch. <laughs> really, really bad. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, a week later, I'd gained 20 pounds, partly because I had dehydrated myself. Sometimes bodybuilders dehydrate themselves. And I, three days prior, I didn't drink water so that I would look better on stage. So I put my body through all this stuff to be somebody, to be somebody I wasn't. I took a week off from training and went back to my trainer. I walked in the gym and I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried. I had no control around food. I had no control of what I was putting in my mouth. I, I, I was gaining weight and again, this was supposed to be my final answer to diet. This was finally it. I was gonna be somebody. I was gonna feel good about myself. I was finally gonna get there. So I cried and cried and said, I'm not gonna diet again, I quit. I quit dieting, I'm not doing it. I'm not gonna do it until I figure out what's wrong with me. Why can I not keep weight off? Why does it come back? And so speaking of no water, um, I need a sip of water. <laughs> Mouth dries out quick when you're talking up here. <laughs> um, so the next part of my journey was all about learning, and I went to seek these answers. I went to find out why, what's wrong with me. So I went to health coaching school. I'm gonna, I'm gonna become a health coach. I'm gonna figure out why. And I went through this six month intense training. It was really neat. We learned a lot of stuff about the brain and how when we eat foods and you know, all the science and everything, and it, it was good, it was interesting, but I still couldn't keep weight off. Still didn't solve my problems. But coaching was kind of fun. I had some practice clients, and I really enjoyed being able to talk to them and allow them to talk and talk about the things that were hurting them. And, and I was like, hmm, coaching, I, I really like this. So I couldn't market myself as a health coach because I couldn't keep weight off. So I decided to go to life coaching school. Again, chasing another certificate, trying to be somebody. And so I went and got the life coaching certificate. But turns out, I didn't love myself. I didn't, I couldn't market myself as a coach. I couldn't market myself as anything because I didn't love myself. I didn't believe in myself. And this, another spoiler, where was God? Why was I not focused on him? I didn't seek him for these things. I didn't go to him for these things. I just thought this was self-motivation and self-willpower, and, and I thought that I 
had to be somebody on my own. So by this time, I'd been suffering, suffering with an unhealthy relationship with food. Um, I had sugar addictions at, po at points, binge eating, never really thought it was binge eating, but when you stand in the pantry every night after dinner and you're full and you're trying to find the most processed sugary thing you can find, that's binge eating. <laughs> I wanted to eat. I, I needed comfort from whatever happened that day. Was it, was it boredom? Was it, unha I was unhappy about something, anger, unfulfillment, disappointment, whatever it is, I went to the pantry because that's where I got my comfort. Again, spoiler alert, I was trying to fix it myself. Um, I did another experiment with alcohol. So I, I read a book that, again, my, my, these are my diet books. I have self-help books that are three times that stack with, again, the Bible's not there with them. Um, I read a book that if you... And I was researching about food. I had no intentions of not drinking alcohol because that was just a part of lifestyle, right? So the book said if you use food or alcohol to numb your feelings, your pain, or whatever it is you're numbing, the next time you eat or drink, you're going to, if it's a good time, your body doesn't realize that, and your body is going to use that food and that alcohol to numb. So it's going to numb you in the bad times, and it's going to numb you in the good times. And I thought, huh, okay, I love experiments. I've done everything else. Let's see what happens with this. So, and I thank you, family and friends, for coming, as I've never really got to explain to you guys why I quit drinking. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's been one of those things that I kind of need time to sit down and explain it to you, but... Um, I, as a part of this experiment, I realized I didn't, I used food, yes, for comfort, absolutely. I didn't use alcohol for comfort. Well, I used, I used alcohol to become someone, someone else to comfort me in social situations because I was so shy and so awkward. I felt awkward anyway, talking to people. And alcohol just gave me, made me somebody else. They used to call me Samantha when I became somebody else. But... Uh, I was using it to not be who I was designed to be. And that experiment, which I only intended for a few months, has still, it's been three years since I've had a drink. Um, so the year after that contest, we started coming here. And we started coming to church. I guess this was probably about 2014, maybe, somewhere in time, somewhere in there. And... The pastor, pastor always had this message. There was two things I heard every Sunday. No matter what the message was about, this was built in somewhere. And it was that we're here to be a light, and you need to read your Bible. Every single week. And then Marley, she gets up and tells us to read our Bible all the time. I don't like history. I don't. I'm a numbers person. I'm an accountant. Um, I never like to read. I don't like to read history. And they kept telling us over and over and over again. It took a few years. Um, you know, they even say that it takes, what, seven? You got to hear something seven times before you even believe it, much less do it. I'm sure I heard it way more than seven times. But about this time, I started reading my Bible. I, uh, I remember pastor telling us, and it's so funny, I'd already kind of prepared to talk about this, and last week's message was <laughs> exactly this again, but... The devotions that we have are great, 
I read those too. But if we're not actually opening our Bible and we're not actually reading the words of that Bible, that's what counts. That's what we need. And even if you don't understand it, read it. He said that. Read it. Even if you don't understand it, read it. I ended up getting me a study Bible, um, and it's taken me forever to get through it, but, but I'm trying. I'm still trying. So, can't turn my page. Um, so thankfully, I had been reading my Bible right before my mom's stroke two years ago, or March will be two years, my mom's stroke. I feel like my foundation was really good going into that stroke. You know, my mom was in a coma for three weeks, and we didn't know the outcome of that. We didn't know what was going to happen. She did survive. You guys pray for her every week in the bulletin. It's in our prayer, and I thank you. Thank you so much. Um, it was hard during that time. Her stroke, not knowing what would happen, but I knew. I had this peace that whatever happened, it was God's plan. It would be Okay. So my mom's no longer to care for herself like she always had, and it was tough. It was a tough year. That first year after that stroke was really hard. There were things that happened. I, I probably neglected my Bible most that year um, just because we were busy, and I just I let that fall to the side. Well, <laughs> I, God had been working on me, on my heart, prior to my mom's stroke. He'd been working on my heart. My heart would always hold just a little bit back. My heart didn't fully love because I held that little bit back so I wouldn't get hurt. And God had worked on that. But that year after the stroke, it was hard. There were family differences. We all have them. There were things that I went through that... Um, I wasn't reading my Bible. I wasn't in tune with, with God the way I should have been. Um, it was hard. It was a hard year. And my heart, my heart started to grow numb, started to grow numb again. And this brings me to 2020. We're almost current. Oh, 2020, that was a rough year. Um, you know, the year started out, we were really busy with all kinds of stuff. Um, the kids, the sports, the going here and there, all of that. And I had, um, I'd been praying for years before that. Three, the three years before, really praying, God, show me your purpose. I know my life is good. Thank you for my life. But I feel like there's something still missing. There's something you know, this whole, I can't lose the weight still. Like, like Lord, I, I just, show me your purpose. And then there was this night in the spring when one of those spring storms was coming. And um, we knew it. Weathermen, had, they were actually right this time. And we knew it. The storm was coming. And we had the, the, the grill. Tony had it pulled in the garage. And I... Um, uh, we had the basketball net that laid down, so it was fine, and cushions were inside, and I was laying in bed, and we were asleep, and the storm comes, and I'm laying there, and I'm like, we're prepared. We are prepared. The storm can come. Wind can come. We're good. We're prepared. And as I laid there, I felt something say, 
but are you prepared to do my work? <laughs> what? <laughs> are you prepared to do my work? Where is this coming from? What is going on? I said, Lord, are you talking to me? Are you asking me if I'm prepared to do your work? I know I've prayed. I know I've prayed that you would use me and, and show me what you have for me. But no, I'm not prepared. I'm not prepared. The last few years have been hard. My heart is cold and numb again. I, my heart's broken. No. I said no. And then a few days later, as I'm scrolling through Facebook, this scripture pops up. Scripture I'd never paid attention to, Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will move, remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. <laughs> there are no coincidences. I was concerned about my heart, and he promised me a new one. So I started to listen. I started to listen more. I started to read my Bible more. And then God showed me I had to give up control. Oh, control. <laughs> listen, I was chasing perfectionism because I needed to feel good about myself. So part of that is I need to be in control so I can get that perfectionism so I can feel good. But God said, no, I need the control. I need to control your life. I need you to come to me for every decision. Okay, well, okay, control, that's hard. Um, but Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. He's promised us. He's promised us that he'll take care of us. It's not on us. It's not on us. This may seem silly, but sometimes I pray, what should I wear today? <laughs> and it's not because I'm going somewhere special or I don't know what to wear. It's because I'm trying to make it a habit to go to him for not, we go to him for the big things, right? My mom was in, in, had a, in a coma. Like, we prayed hard. We prayed every day. But I wasn't praying for those little bitty things, those little things that he wants to be a part of. So through my journey, I'd been following this nonprofit called Revelation Wellness. And their mission is, well, they, they teach and certify people to become group and fitness instructors, where Jesus is the center of that workout. So it's not anymore about our bodies it's more about him, and we work out together, and we feel good. And they, they call their instructors fitness teachers, gospel preachers. So when they said that, that this last fall was going to be virtual, there was something saying I had to. I, have no, I had no intentions of teaching group fitness. Like, this is not, this is not in my life plan. Um, the health coaching was kind of cool, but teaching, standing up and teaching group fitness, I mean... I, I don't, look, I don't look like the part of a fitness teacher, right? How am I supposed to be a fitness teacher? But I signed up. <laughs> I signed up because it just, it was that nagging little thing, that thing in my heart that said, you have to, you have to. And through that training, I, I do plan to, to, fit, to teach some fitness classes, but through that training, God revealed so many other things, and he 
taught me so many other things. I learned that I'm his child. I'm that gift that I couldn't say I was a gift. I'm his child. I'm his temple. My body's his temple. He loves me for me. And he is proud to call me his daughter no, ma no matter what. No matter what I eat, no matter my pant size, no matter what that number on the scale says, he loves me. He loves me just the way I am. But I also learned that because I am his temple, because I am his child, that I should want to care for my body. I should want to care for my body. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. For me, this means I need to make better decisions about what I put in my mouth. And if I find myself standing in the pantry, I need to close those doors and pray. I need to get on my knees and pray. I need to open that word and see what it says before I put food in my mouth. Another scripture that we, we focused on through our training is 1 Corinthians 6.12. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. So, the things I'm eating, are they mastering me? What is mastering me? Everything's permissible. And all that restriction in my head... All these books that told me what to eat and what not to eat, those are gone. First, I pray and read my Bible. I don't have to diet. I have to just make good choices and pray. Seek him. Seek him. I learned that because I'm his child and I'm good, I don't have to search for that perfectionism anymore. <laughs> All my family that's here, remember my perfectionism? <laughs> yeah. I'm working hard on getting rid of that perfectionism. We still got to do good things, but it doesn't have to be perfect. Then my reasons don't, are not the same anymore. I don't have to chase any titles. Those, that weight has been lifted off my shoulder. And back when I was little and I wanted to be like everybody else, I didn't want to be different. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. He set me apart. I'm supposed to be different. We're all supposed to be different. I learned that he has an original design for each of us. Sometimes we start out doing what we want to do, but it's never too late to walk back into that original design that he has for us. And oh, the diet and fitness industry. <laughs> oh, they've made, they've made our bodies our idols. They've made food our idols. They've even taken fasting recently. Fasting was first done by Moses when he went to receive the Ten Commandments. And fasting now in the diet industry is the next diet to lose weight quick. I'm trying to take that back, by the way. We're going to take that fasting for relationship for Christ, not to lose weight. I learned that maybe because I couldn't love myself, I haven't loved others the way I was meant to love others. Maybe that holding back a little bit of my heart was wrong and that I need to love 
like I was intended to love. I learned that I'm here to spread the gospel. I'm here to share my testimony. That my story happened as it planned. God was always in control, no matter how hard it was or how many tears I shed or how many times I didn't want to go somewhere because I didn't have the right clothes to wear and didn't look good enough. That he was always there through all of that. He was always there. And he wants, he wants us to seek him. He wants us to seek him in everything. So at the end of our retreat, our, our, our end of my training with Revelation Wellness, the retreat, this was last um, November. We finished up the last week in November. So this was just really recent. We had a four-day retreat that I locked myself in the kids' old playroom. I came out for meals and to, to sleep. But during this time, God showed me more. It's funny, the things he holds back and he doesn't tell us when he knew the answers all along, but he holds them, so we'll need them. <laughs> and he gives us and he reveals things just when, just when we need it, just at the right timing. So during those four days, he revealed things to me. And we had different activities. Um, we went through forgiveness and, and forgiving others and who we need to ask for forgive, who we need to go to for people and, and ask for forgiveness. Um, we went through this one particular thing where they had us write out what we thought about ourselves our entire life. And we started all the way from we were little to now. And I wrote things like, I'm different but don't want to be, or I need to be skinnier, I'm, un I'm an unhappy person, or I can never say at my goals. And then a little later, after we went through all that, all the things that we thought about ourselves, all those lies that had been there that built on through our lives, that foundation we were holding on to, and they said, okay, you've got a packet. They sent us this packet the week before this virtual retreat. And in this packet, there were different envelopes for different things. And they told us when to open each one. And this one particular one, they said, there's a balloon. And we want you to open this, this package with this balloon. And they said, there's a Sharpie. And they said, we want you to take the balloon. And we want you to write all the lies. All the lies that you've held on to. And I wrote that I had a cold, numb heart. I wrote that I was fearful because I was, I was fearful of all situations. That I wasn't enough, I wasn't good enough, and that I was unhappy. And we, we took this balloon and <laughs> we didn't know it, but they had put a little piece of paper inside. And a little, this little piece of paper, they had prayed over it. There was 500 of us in training. And they prayed over these packets that they would all go to the right person. And they had us pop the balloon. We popped the balloon. And the little piece of paper fell out. And they said, before you read it, I want you to pray. Know that that was meant for you. And my message read, with you, I am well pleased. <laughs> 
With you, I am well pleased. I chased acceptance. I wanted to be accepted. I was accepted. He loved me. I'm his, I'm his daughter. He loves me. I don't need anything else. He's well pleased with me. The past relationships, hurts, pain, loss, grief, the lies in my head, they all had to go. Jesus loves me. He accepts me. God is so good. We have to let him accept us. We have to let him in. As the weeks passed after that retreat, I felt this message. It's not just my message. Yeah, that's exactly what I needed to hear. But that everyone hears my testimony, that hears my story and my struggles of trying to be accepted. That you all know, with you, he's well pleased. He loves you. He's all you need. No matter the skeletons that are in the closet, no matter who hurt you, no matter who you hurt, you're his child. If you've asked for forgiveness, he, he's there. He loves you. He loves you no matter what. And you are a true gift. I always look at, at the kids, the babies, my babies. They're true gifts, right? I didn't know I was a true gift, just like each of us here. We're all a true gift, a true gift straight from heaven. He created every single one of us. I'm so thankful for this journey. If God would have given me the body I wanted from the start, I probably wouldn't have needed him. But he gave me this struggle, this journey. He knew it'd be hard, but he knew he'd get me through it. I'm thankful that he revealed to me what he did when he did. I'm thankful that these doors are open of this church so that I read my Bible. Thank you for being obedient, Pastor Marley, telling us to read our Bible. We are listening. We are. Thankful for my husband for listening to me all those years. Whoo, what he's been through, listening to me complain. <sighs> he listened. He did. My kids, I hope I didn't mess you up too much. But if you know this, that he's all you need, no matter how hard life gets, no matter how hard, no matter what's going on, no matter how bad somebody hurts you, he's there. He's there and he's all we need. Read your Bible. I don't know where all this is going, where this journey, this fitness teacher, gospel preacher stuff is going. Um, I'm a fitness teacher, gospel preacher. Um, I have, I've had the opportunity to be part of a 21-day sugar fast with 10,000 other people. There's a couple of you in here that did it with me. Um, we did a sugar fast where we're taking back fasting. We, um, we gave up sugar not to lose weight but to grow closer to Christ. And today, ironically, is day 21 of our 21 days. I'm so thankful that God gives us these stories, guys. Your stories, your past, your journey, it's all for a reason. Each and every one of you sitting here right now has a story and a testimony. Thank him for that journey. No matter how hard it was, how hard it is, if you're in the middle of it, 
Let him use you to tell of his goodness. (laughs) And be sure you read your Bible. It changed my life. (laughs) Well, if you didn't believe me or Marley, as we remind you to read your Bible, here's a testimony of what the Word of God can do. You know, we talk about reading our Bibles, and I talk to people all the time. And I always point people to the Word, uh, and I tell people, look, it, it doesn't, what I think, what I believe, what my opinion is, doesn't really matter. What matters is what God has said. And the only way you're going to know what God has said is to go to God's Word. Um, Some of you who don't know the history of this church, uh, you know, when you have have a few hours and we can sit down, uh, this church has made quite a journey. Um, And we've always been a church that's believed in the Word, but we've also been, I, I can speak for myself, I didn't grow up in church, I, I came to faith in Christ uh, three months after I graduated from college, and I grew up spiritually in the charismatic Pentecostal word of faith movement. And so the idea of seeking a word from God, hearing a word from God, finding the person who's got the current word, getting that prophetic word, and um, that was just part of who I was spiritually. It's part of who we were. But coming to the realization that there is no word of God greater, of greater significance, of greater weight, of greater importance than this word of God. You don't need to go to the prophet. You don't need to go to the tent revival. You just need to open your Bible. If you want a word from God, open your Bible. We've had countless prophets prophesy of countless things that were going to happen. It's for sure God said it. Guess what? They didn't happen. But what God has put here in his word in the scripture, in the Bible. You can open it, you can read it, and you can know that you have received a word from God. And I'm so thankful for Natalie's testimony when she shared with me when we met and she told me, you know, I finally get it. I heard what you said, but I finally get it. It's not the refrigerator magnet, it's not the daily devotional, it's not... Uh, the little things I run to from my scripture rock. It's no, there's no substitute for opening this and reading it and letting it wash your mind. But I don't understand it. Don't worry about that. Just keep watering your mind and your heart. Well, I still don't understand it. It doesn't matter. Keep watering your mind and your heart. Because just like Natalie talked about in those times that God knew what she needed, but he never told her until the right time, you keep hiding God's word in your heart, even when you don't understand it, at the right time, God knows how to pull that word out of your heart. 
and bring it alive in your situation and your circumstance. But if you don't plant that word in your heart, you're like the farmer expecting a harvest and you never went out there and you never put any seed in the ground. And it doesn't matter how long that seed remains dormant. If that seed's in the ground, it can spring up. And that's what God's word does for us. So don't run to the man. Don't run to the prophet. Don't run to the internet preachers. Please don't. Open your Bible and get a word from God and let the spirit of God inside of you begin to teach you. And let this word be the word that guides you, not the word of a man. I don't care how well-meaning men are. I don't care how godly they profess or they actually are. Let this be the word that guides you. Let the Spirit of God on the inside of you illuminate this. There's no substitute for it. You can do those other things, but then when you do those other things and you hear error, you're going to know it's error because you've been in the Word. And you're not going to be deceived. You're not going to be tricked into believing false prophecies that were never going to come to pass. But you can believe this. And Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never, ever pass away. When you put this in you, you have a testimony. And our testimony is not what we've done. And I appreciate Natalie's testimony because it wasn't about what she had done. It's about what God had done. That's the witness. That's the testimony. Those are the martyrs we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be those who tell the truth about what God has done, no matter the cost. No matter whether the, the culture cancels us, no matter whether people like us or don't like us. If they don't hear the truth, they can't be set free. If you don't know the truth, you can't be set free. But if you do know the truth, then you're free. Just like Natalie's testified, she's free from all of those things that held her. And those things held her because she never went to the ultimate source of truth, the truth, the one truth that could truly set her free. That's what we have in Jesus. We have the truth that sets men free. So be a witness, be a testimony, be a martyr. It probably will never cost you your life in America, but even if it did, be a martyr, be a witness, testify to the truth. Amen. Well, thank you, Natalie. And thank you all. You all have a testimony. Don't hold it back. The world is out there and they need to hear your witness to the truth because it's the truth truth as it is in Jesus that sets men free. Let's get ready and come to the table. You don't have to be a member of Christ Fellowship Church. We profess the Apostles' Creed. We believe in the Holy Catholic Church, not Big C Roman Catholic. That's a denomination. We believe in the Catholic. The word Catholic means universal. Some people say, why don't you just change that and say we believe in the universal church. No, we're not going to change it because Catholic means universal. Don't get hung up on something. Know the truth. We're part of the universal church since the very beginning of man's creation. 
And the church isn't just who meets in this building. The church is who God has redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, past, present, and future. And if you count yourself a member of that church, a part of that covenant body, the universal church of Jesus, you're invited to this table. So as you trust in Jesus, the truth, the way, and the life, come to this table, a table of thanksgiving. Let's give him thanks that he has given us a testimony, not of what we have done, but what he has done for us. Amen? Christian, welcome to the table. Welcome to Jesus. Let's all stand. I want to thank you all for coming today to hear what Christ has done. You just got to hear a different person tell about it today. All of us have a testimony. And we have to decide how we're going to live that out, how we're going to walk that out. I don't know if you feel the urgency that I feel. I hope you realize that life as we've known it in our nation is changing rapidly. And the answer, just like Natalie realized, the answer to her challenges is not another diet plan, not another diet book. If there's anyone that needs to understand this, it is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That the answer to our nation's problem is not another political party. It's not another form of government. It's not another philosophy. It's not a different set of leaders. What's wrong with our nation is our heart. Just like Natalie realized that it was a heart issue. God gave her the answer. He said, I'll give you a new heart. And if we keep looking to the arm of the flesh, just like Natalie did with these diet books, Instead of crying out to God that God would give to our nation a new heart. But you know how nations get new hearts? They get them one heart at a time. One life at a time. And you know how hearts are changed and lives are changed? The gospel is the power of God to salvation. But it's changed as God's people go out and tell the truth about what God has done. The good news about what God has done. The churches in our nation should be brimming, flowing over with people if we understood the challenge of our time. And I pray you do, and I pray you will go out and be those witnesses, and I pray that you will bring people in to hear the truth so that they not only can be set free, but so that they can be equipped to go out and make a difference. Christ is the hope for us in life and in death. He is the hope for our nation. We hold that hope, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Don't hold it back. Don't keep silent. Open your mouth. Let your light shine. Amen.